morning. morning. How y'all doing this morning? Ooh, I'm energized. This is the first time I got to play and preach on the same day. Just so y'all know, Grayson made me do it. And when the boss speaks, you got to listen. But uh, Happy New Year to you all. Uh, this is my first time, I guess, in New Year's getting to preach before you. I know it may seem like last year because it was last year. <laughs> But um, I'm excited. Uh, at the end of the year, last year, we got to sell. Well, welcome. My name is Pastor Joseph. For those that don't know me, I will be bringing the word today. We are in a series called Begin with the End in Mind. And like Chris said, it's been a good one in the book of Revelation with no S. Has anybody said it with the S over the past four weeks? You've been messing up. Grayson did it a couple weeks ago. I didn't want to correct him because he's the boss. Uh, a lot of Grayson jokes right now. I don't know why. <laughs> Um, but it's been good. For those that don't know, we are a church that loves answering questions. Uh, as a church, we have our podcast, Pastor Plex Podcast, on all of the podcasts. Wherever you listen to it, it's there. So you'll see this phone number pop up. Ask questions. We want to answer them. Uh, for some, this, I mean, Revelation is one of those scary books for some. And so ask the questions you have, you know, on topic, off topic. Chris loves all the questions, you know, the more, the merrier. But uh, so if you have one, you'll see this phone number pop up on some of the screens. So feel free. Uh, to Texas there. So begin with the end in mind. Uh, I began this year uh, with my son turning seven. So he turned seven December 31st. So this new year, my son is seven. That's how we started this year uh, with a seven-year-old. And like most of you who were either seven at one time or have kids, seven is that, f- that number, my favorite number. I mean, it's completeness, fullness, right? For me, it's the number when my son gets to start washing dishes all right, he gets to learn it. And when I say wash dishes, for, for some of you who are younger, I'm not talking about put them in, in the dish rack. That's just used for a dryer. What we're doing, what I'm talking about is actually putting, getting his hands dirty, right? Putting them in the water, letting them get all the wrinkles and stuff on them like I did. It's a rite of passage for my son. I remember when, when my mother made myself and my brother wash dishes. Everybody had their weeks. Whose week is it? It's his week. No, it's his week. So then she put a calendar up there to make sure we didn't forget. And I also remember when Mama went in the kitchen, and she pulled out a glass, and then she called everybody in the kitchen and said, whose week is it? And my brother, being the snitch that he was, pointed to me, right, to let, me, let Mama know that he's the one about to get in trouble. And she said, would you drink out of this glass? And she showed me, and on the outside, the glass looked clean. Then she held it down, and I said, yes, naturally. She held it down. I said, okay. And when she held it down, you see all the junk and the dirtiness still in there. Has anybody ever picked up a glass out the cabinet and it was still dirty? That's the new school dishwashers. That's what it is. <laughs> but this is where we're going on this morning. We're, we're looking at a couple of churches, and these churches have this reputation of looking good on the outside. These churches look good. They, they have the best songs. They got the best preachers up there. They look good on the outside, but they're not complete. They're missing something. The big picture of it is what they're missing, and that's the work, the relationship, the completion, that part where you got to kind of throw, you got to throw God in the mix. You got to throw the gospel in the mix. You got to talk about Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross for our sins, but how he was raised with all power. You have to talk about that. And this church is missing that. And so that's where we're going, right? But the problem is what we do, we tend to resist the work, right? We resist working for God. Why do we resist working for God? For some of us, we resist working God because we don't spend time with 
God. Our relationship with God is limited to our Sunday morning worship. Our relationship with God is limited to a quick prayer when we get up. Our relationship with God is limited to that app that pops up, that scripture in pretty font. Other reasons we wrestle with working for God is we see ourselves as insignificant. We feel like we're doing the work and we're getting the job done, but I just seem small. God, I'm not good enough. God, I don't have enough power to do this. Why would you even use me in my mess and my mess ups and my shortcomings? Why would you use me, God? Because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Chris Pleckenpole. I don't know all Chris knows. I mean, this is just me talking to God. But we all have that, right? Or we seem like we're not good enough. And so we're going, we're going to try to tackle this text real quick. And so if you would, pray with me. As we get ready to jump into the word, Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are everything we need. God, we thank you that you are not limited in your power. God, we thank you for the revelation that you've been giving us through the book of Revelation. God, that we need you. We need to spend more time with you, God. We need to pray more. We need to love you more. And God, we're big because of who you are. So I pray as we jump into this text, God, that you reveal exactly what we need to see, exactly where we're at. God, we need you. God, all these things we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, if you remember last time I was up here, I kind of was talking about the difference with the threes in chapter one. That's where we was the first week we got into the series. And one of the things we said that we're supposed to do is read out loud, hear, and keep the word. Y'all remember that? Everybody say, read out loud, hear it, and keep the word. And so the reason this is important is because we're approaching this, this church, the church of Sardis. We're approaching this church, and they've forgotten to read out loud. They've forgotten to hear the word, and they're not keeping it. And so if you go from your Bibles to chapter 3, we'll start at verse 1. Chapter 3. Verse 1. Y'all all right this morning? All right. We got to talk to me. I know it's cold outside, but it was cold this morning. Right now, I feel really good. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God. Remember that number seven, that fullness, that completion. Uh, seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. Everybody say, I know your works. I know your works. What is he saying here? When you read that, What Jesus wants us to understand is that he sees us where we are. He knows what you're doing. I know it's after Christmas, but he knows when you've been naughty or nice. Like I I was reading this, I kid you, and I said, man, this would have been a good Christmas sermon right here. But he sees you. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you wake. Like all of this is there. He says, I know your works. When you're at work thinking you're away from God, he's right there. I see you working. Or maybe he sees you not working. He says, I know your works. He says, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Uh-oh. Remember what we said about the cup? He says, on the outside, when you, when you flaunt in front of people, they see you. And they say, you look good. Ooh, 
look at them shoes. You sharp. When you showing out, they see you smiling all the time. You're doing good works. It's what they see. But God says, I see you for real. I know the relationship you have with me or the lack of relationship you have with me. I know how much you put in front of me. I know that I'm not, don't get prefer, preferential treatment in your life anymore. And this is what he's about to tell him. He says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. There it goes again. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Three things real quick that I see that God is doing. Three things that I see. He says, wake up. What does that mean? It's not talking about a physically they're asleep, but he's telling them spiritually they are. What this reminds me of is those moments when my wife is talking to me and I'm actually doing something. And then she asks me a question. And when I don't respond, she gets mad at me. <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't awakened to what she was saying. I wasn't being intentional about listening to her. My focus was somewhere else. My focus was with him, right? My focus was with what God was doing. My focus was, or my focus was what Joseph was doing. And so when she asked me, I said, well, just say it again. Just say it again. Just say it again. I, I'm sorry. I didn't, and she doesn't want to say it. But what God is trying to get us to understand, <laughs> I'm definitely, she's not God. I'm not saying she's God or anything like that. But God is trying to talk to you where you're at. He wants you to wake up because you are spiritually asleep. Well, how do you wake? How do you get up? Read your word, hear your word, and keep your word. Remember the first thing we say we don't spend time with God. We don't spend time with him. And I said that's a direct reflection of us being awake. Spiritually, that is. And so what happens when we're not awake, we get in these modes where we just do things to be doing them and they're not of the spirit. There have been times when I caught my son doing something crazy. He'll just be writing on the wall. Writing on the wall. What are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> Why are you doing it? I don't know. Well, then stop doing it. Wake up. Focus. That's what God is telling us. He said, he's saying as the church, what the church is supposed to do is supposed to be completing the word. We have a mission. Being in the image of God, the likeness of God, we're representatives of who God is, Right? And therefore, there should be representation of who he is everywhere we go. He's about multiplying that representation. And so when he's telling us to wake up, he's saying, focus on me because I have something for you to do. Then he says, strengthen. He says, strengthen. What does it mean to strengthen? To be consistent. To be consistent. I'll tell you about myself real quick. I didn't tell this first service, but I've, I, I know I'm the cup, right? I'm this dirty cup. And now I'm, this is, I'm about to double image this thing real quick. But I don't work out really that much. But I look like I work out a lot, right? <laughs> I promise you, if I was a part of somebody that has been working out every day, we should work out together. You'd see I am super out of shape. I'm pretty much only good for flexing these days. <laughs> it's cool. I kid you not, do about two pull-ups. And I'm like, whew, man. <laughs> and, I, and, 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 and people pump my head up all the time. say, ooh, Joseph, you look good. I'm like, thank you. But that's how we do as believers. People are telling us you're doing the right thing. You're doing the good thing. You, you, you're doing the work. And it looks like we're doing it. You look good. 
but you're only good for flexing when we're coming to the Word of God. You're not getting in the Word enough, and so when people say, once we get to the deeper things, once we get into the trenches, once we get into the action and to the work, then it's like, oh, I, never mind. <laughs> and God is calling us to be more consistent with our relationship with Him. He's calling us to spend some time with Him. Verse 3 says, remember then what you receive. This is what you read out loud, what you heard, and keep it. This word keep it means to guard it. There's a few babies around here. See a blick baby in the back. She's keeping her baby tight in there, protecting the baby, keeping them from all of your germs and stuff. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do with this word. We're supposed to keep it protected. Be diligent with it. Learn more about it. Spend time in it. Grow with it. Nurture this thing in us. Well, how do I do that? I spend time with it. I hear it. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Monday. This isn't a part-time relationship. God wants a full-time. God isn't something, when he's saying, remember me, he's saying, you can't click me on and off like a switch. You can't turn me off and on when you want to use me when you don't want to. You got to have me in there all the time. And then the last thing he says on there is to repent, turn back, go to what you know. My first point today is wake up. Everybody say wake up. Wake up. Now say it like you mean it, like you. Wake up. All right, so look, quick story. Y'all are kind of sleep still on me, but hopefully I can help you out a little bit. I was about seven or eight years old when I first started inline skating, a.k.a. rollerblading. I was a beast. That means good for those of you who don't. Beast is a good thing. I was really good at rollerblading. Like I could jump off of these things, do twists at seven, eight years old. And did it for a few years, right? And then 20 years later, I'm married and got a kid. We go skating and stuff. One time I said, give me those inline skates. <laughs> and you know, I want to look good for everybody. I want to show off. So watch me work. I put them on. I was like, ooh, these feel good. I didn't even get to the rink, y'all. <laughs> I went like I was going to go. Like my, my mind was telling me yes, but my body said no, and I just, feet came up under me. I tied my, untied my shoes real quick, went back, handed them the, the skates, said, hey, can you give me the full ones? <laughs> but what happened was I wasn't consistent with that. And a lot of us are wondering why we're tripping and falling and tripping and falling and tripping and falling in life. And God says, you have no relationship with me. There's no consistency. Wake up, focus, be intentional. See me. Don't see the world. See me. Don't see the work. See me. God wants you to see him. Be consistent with him. Spend time with him and watch him do the work and not you do the work. What else does he tell this church? He says, if you will not wake up, this is their promise. He said, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. Everybody say thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. They won't be ready. We are ill-prepared for what God is trying to do. We're ill-prepared for when we're approached. Well, I don't know how to talk about them. Do you spend time with them? Are you in your word? Are you reading about it? Are you reading about him? He says, yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled, not messed up, not diluted, not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, 
for they are worthy. There's still a few in the church that are doing the right thing. He's trying to make them, he's trying to put that fire under them to let them know, hey, do the work. There are people doing the work. Look at them. They're not messing up. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He said, they're doing the work and they're walking with me. And it's funny, watch what he says. He says, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will never blot his name out. So this, this, this word, uh, white garments, what is he talking about? Well, what he's saying is that this purity thing, when you're walking alongside him, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But guess who is? The one we walk with. And so the whiteness that we carry, the purity that we do, the work, it won't just look good on the outside. You won't be like me, just good for flexing. You actually be able to do the work is what he's saying. He said you'll actually be good. You actually understand the gospel when you spend time with the gospel and understanding that what did God say in Philippians? He said, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work will bring it to completeness. What does that mean? This is, it almost ties in because he's saying y'all are incomplete. He said, but what you're missing is me. When you try to do it on your own, when you try to reach that goal on your own, you're going to always come up short. The reason you're going to always come up short is because you're missing the key factor. Jesus, he's that gap filler, right? He's the one that's standing in the gap for you. That's what he said, that complete work that he'll do in him, it's him doing it. And so we walk alongside of him. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We can have faith because of who he is, not because of who I am. My relationship changes because of the time I spend with him. I grow stronger because of the time I spend with him. And when he says, I will never blot out his name out of the book of life, it's not saying that you lose your salvation. This is, you remember back in the day when we used to go to graduations, right, college graduations, high school, and then you see that name that was bolded or had like some type of emphasis on it. And it represented in high school, that means National Honor Society or top 10%. In college, it means you was cum laude and summa cum laude and magna, magna cum laude. And they don't, they don't let those of you who would thank you, laude, they don't let none of us get our names bolded <laughs> on there. But y'all remember, like, that, the purpose of that is to highlight their name and their accomplishment and what they've done. So what... what Christ is saying right here is that I will highlight your name. You can't lose your salvation. Jesus already did the work on the cross. He already covered our sins. All of our sins. He already did the work. So it's not saying you lose it. You're saying, he's saying when you do this, when you walk alongside of me, I will lift you up. And think about it. Think about how he flipped this. Their goal at the beginning of this is to look good. Not to be good, necessarily. They just wanted to look good. They had a good reputation. They had checked all the boxes off. They were doing what they were supposed to. In their mind, they just was leaving out Jesus. And then when they put Jesus in it, everything that they wanted actually happened. They were dead. Now their names would be written in the book of life. Look how he did that. Their name wasn't known, but then he said the white garments, that represents the good works and the purity. And they will actually be good. They just won't look good. So he flips it on him. Once you trust him, I got you. That's my promise. So spend time with me. Spend time with me. He says, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Jesus just said, if you roll with me, I'll brag on you. 
He said, I got you. You roll with me. I brag on you. Before God, I got you. He said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. You got to look at the big picture. He's saying you won't just look good, but you'll be good. You won't just be good on the outside of the cup, but you'll be, it'll be refreshing actually drinking from the cup when you know ain't nothing floating around. <laughs> right? Not because of me. Not because of my work. Not because of anything I've done. Not because I was trying to fit in with the culture. Not because I was trying to look like and be like that person that looks like and they have everything together on social media. But because I was trying to be like my father. I was trying to be like what God had called me to be. And that was him. I was in his image. That's what I was created for. I have a question for you. Has anybody ever cheated on a test? Yeah, I got a few honest people. I can, the ones that kept your hands down, y'all are the ones that actually probably was doing it. <laughs> I was a teacher. For those that don't know, I taught math. And there were certain students in my class who I knew... Um, they didn't do so well in my class. And so when I took a test and I saw like 90s and above, I knew something was up. Not to say that they wasn't capable of doing it, but I know, like I knew I knew. And so I'd go to him, I'd ask him one of the questions on the test. I said, say, can you show me how to do this? He was like, what did I get, mister? This is before I handed out the test to him. He said, what did I get? I said, it don't matter, can you do this for me? Why, well, just show me my grade. And they knew that, I knew they were cheating. <laughs> But I didn't catch him. And for a lot of us, that's where it is. The only person that knows we're cheating is God. The one that's giving the test, the one that's watching us, the one that says, I know your works. And so I may not ever see what you're doing on the inside or ever see what you're doing behind closed doors. But God is saying, I know. I'm watching. He just says, spend time with me. Spend time with the material. And watch me work. Watch your relationship with me grow. Look at verse 7. Now we get to the church of Philadelphia. Does anybody know what Philadelphia means? Just quick, quick. Yeah, there we go. So this is the church of brotherly love. They got it all together. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right, the words of the holy one, he describes himself as holy, the true one, true, genuine, who has the key of David, this key of David, just where so you know, we're going to throw this in there. How many of you give your keys to just everybody, to their house, to your car? You give them to them? Not at all, right? You don't trust everybody with keys to your house. That's your sacred place. And so when Jesus is saying the key of David, what he's saying is he has all authority, right? Jesus has the power. He has the God-ordained administrative power to distribute blessing, to keep blessing, whatever he chooses because he has that power. He's saying, I have the key. Who opens and no one will shut. This, who shuts and no one opens. One of the things I like about that is when God has something for you, it's for you. You're about to, we're about to see how this church is small in power. God says, when I open doors for you, no one can shut them. When I close doors from you, you can't open them. What do you mean? For me, I struggle at times with not walking through the door God has opened and trying to open the door that God has closed. And I'm sitting here like, why isn't this working, God? He's saying, well, one, if you spend time with me, you know that door is locked. 
right? When he says he'll open up a window of blessing, right here on him, he'll shut some doors that are not meant to bless you. And when you're trying to do your own thing, then it's not in alignment with God's thing, then you'll never get going. You'll ne- never get through it. Look at verse 8. I know your works. He says it again to him, and behold, but it's a different twist. He says, behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. They're a smaller church. These are the underdogs. I love underdog movies. Why? Because it's showing, like, I feel like it's me. I'm able to put myself in the story with underdog because I feel like an underdog all the time. All right? And so I love movies like Zorro. Started from the bottom. Then he went to the top. Everybody was mad at him. I love movies like Count of Monte Cristo. Cristo. Crisco, Crisco, not Crisco. <laughs> like that. One of my favorite movies uh, is Warrior. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but two brothers are fighting eventually to the championship. If you've seen the movie, don't laugh at me, but I cried in that movie. <laughs> I think that was like one of the last movies I cried in because I was able to put myself in the story. Why? Because I'm also a big brother, three younger brothers. And uh, I could, like, feel this brother. Like, I literally put myself in, I could feel this brother's pain. He was fighting his brother. He was beating his brother up. At one point, I think he dislocates his brother's arm, and, like, he was hurting doing it, but he did it. I was like, ah, that hurt me. I started crying, y'all, in this movie, because I couldn't imagine doing something like that to my brothers. And I thought about it, and God said, but what about your relationship with me? He said, how much do you put yourself in my story so that it becomes your story? So you understand you are that dirty cup with a good relationship with the world, but not good, a good relationship with me. And I begin to weep. I begin to cry. I was like, God, I'm not good enough. But he's saying to this church, y'all got it. Even though you're small, even though you're the underdog, I've opened the door that no one can shut. What I have for you, no one can take away. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He says, behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say, they were, who say that they were Jews or that they are Jews and are not, but lie. What's funny about that, because it seems like he's talking about the church of Sardis. He goes right back to them. The same people that have a good reputation, you know, that big church, they got all the cool, colorful lights and they on Instagram, got a million followers or whoever it is. I'm not saying that they bad. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. But what God is trying to get us to realize, there's people out there that they're not doing the right thing. They look good on the outside. He says, I see them. You keep working. You keep a good relationship with me. You keep having faith. I know you may feel small, but watch me work. Not you work. I'm opening doors. He says, watch me do what I do. He says, behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. And they will learn that I have loved you. Keep doing the work. God sees it. He says it at the beginning, I know your works. I see you, and I promise I will bless you. That's, that's, that's promise number one he gives them. He said, because you have kept my word about patience and endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the world. Promise number two. Remember the church of Sardis, what did he say? You won't know the hour that I'm coming. Church of Philadelphia, because they're doing the right thing, because they have faith. I will keep you from the hour when I come. You see what he's doing when you're doing the right thing? He created to show us that when you're doing the right thing, there are things God has promised. He's promised that the people that look like they're doing right, I'll have them bowing at your feet. He promised that if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, I'll keep you from certain things, certain tribulations. What else does he promise us? He says, I will keep you from the hour trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Verse 3, I'm sorry, 11. 
I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your ground. Next promise is I'm coming soon. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Already. That's the song, just so you know. If you, but if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I know there's some athletes, but it doesn't matter if it's an athletic thing, if it's your job thing, whatever it is. When you stay ready and the boss walks into your office, you don't have to get ready. If you stay ready, he's right there. God is telling you, stay ready in your word. And then when you're approached about somebody asking about who Jesus is, you can say, let me tell you his story and what he did for me and my relationship with him. Let's talk about this man called Jesus. Verse 12, he says, the one who conquers... This sounds familiar. The one who overcomes, the one who conquers. I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. Next thing, the one who conquers will be a pillar in the temple of God. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes will be a pillar in the temple of God. What is he saying? You remember what this church, they thought they were small. And God flips and says, nah, I got you. I'm going to make you a pillar. What's a pillar? It holds up a building, right? What's the pillar? If you knock these things down around us, I'm sure we'll all <laughs> maybe die. <laughs> right? Pillars are designed to hold things up. And he's telling you when you do what you're supposed to do, when you overcome, when you conquer, when you walk with me, he says, you, you may seem small, but you have big faith because you trust in God. He's saying, I will... I will make you known because now you're holding up the temple of God. So that thing that they wanted, they got because they were faithful, because they walked with God. Verse 12, never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Y'all, we want the name tag without working for the company. We want to be Christians without being Christ-like. I've pulled back a little bit, but I like TikTok here recently. I was trying to stay away from it. People kept saying, TikTok, TikTok, swear that. So I started TikToking, and, you know, your thumbs get to just scroll and scroll. And I came across a, a couple of guys. And what they do is they take pictures of themselves. They Photoshop themselves on a poster dressed in Walmart or Target uniforms and Burger King and just different things. Right? And in doing so, what happens is they'll go to these places like Walmart, and they'll stick the posters on the actual windows at these locations. Like with them just smiling, and it looks legit. And they'll be up a week or so after they do it. Right? And we can laugh at that and we can be cool with that, but what God is saying, that's how we are with our relationship with Him. We got all the posters up, the necklaces, the tattoos that say, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, we, we, we look the part. Like these guys, they look like the, and these, these posters are up. But they don't have the part. They don't. God continues to promise. He, he wants us to not just want to wear the uniform. And look, this is what he says when, when we, when we uh, wear the uniform. He says, never shall your name, shall you go out of it. 
And I will write on him the name of God, my God, and the name of the city of my God, and the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God. Like this is, he's saying he will put his name on us. He's saying we are a part of him. And so when you walk in the work, you don't see Joseph. You don't see James, Chris, Adrian, Wesley. You see Jesus. That name is a representation of who you are. The uniform you wear is a representation of who you are, whose you are. We're gods. We're his kids. And so my question for you is, are you going to be all in for God? Are you going to be all in or will you be, continue to be a part-time worker? Scratch that. God don't have any part-time employees. You're either full-time or you're not. He doesn't want your Sunday worship if your Monday through Saturday worship isn't worship at all. If you're allowing a word to, or the world to dictate your relationship with him. And so he did it. We talked about it earlier. We, we said he, he paid the price. I got to smell. You know, I don't drink alcohol, so <laughs> I, I got to use grape juice. Jessica got it right. Thank you, Jessica. I know, just a side note, you may not care, but the first time I ever drank alcohol was communion <laughs> on accident. <laughs> I didn't even know they switched them on accident, but what is the, what the blood represents the new covenant, right? The covering of our sins. And so as we prepare our hearts and minds, you can open and get ready. We're not going to actually drink and eat now, but understanding what God did. What did he do on the cross? His his. He allowed himself to be beaten and bruised, his body to be broken for us. And that's what this bread represents. Like we can laugh, we can joke, but when we think about how good God has been and all that he's brought us through, I think about what this represents. I put myself in the story. I put myself in knowing that Jesus conquered it all on the cross, my sins. So that complete work that we talk about, that's what he did up there. And, and I'm glad that he didn't stay dead. I'm glad that God rose him from the death, dead. And he took the sting out of death. And so that one day, one day I will be resurrected too with him. Like I can be jovial and, and jump around knowing who God is. I won't waste time anymore. I'll stop building this relationship with the world and start building my relationship with God. I'll be intentional. I'll be focused about what he's doing. So as you prepare your hearts and your minds for the communion, as you think about what God has done, remember what you've read out loud. Remember what you've heard. Remember and keep it. Don't don't allow yourself to keep having this part-time mentality with your relationship with God, expecting full-time results, expecting full-time things from God, full-time benefits. It don't work like that with God. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all you've done. God, you are perfect in all your ways. There are... There is none like you. God, so as we prepare our hearts and our minds for for you, God, I pray that you would just work through us, work in us, cover us. Allow this word to continually pierce us daily. Continually correct us daily. Continually convict us daily, God. We want to be Christ-like. We just don't want to have the name tags and be faking it. 
to make it. We want to really make it and be good. God, we love you. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.